As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Leaf Report Podcast brought to you by the Saki Hall of Fame and Bab Sox. James, what's up? Big event in Toronto, Thursday night, downtown. We have over 600 people of RSVP'd, so we're expecting it to be... I think the venue can only hold 750, so come on out. Come meet me and Blake Murphy and Pierre Lebrun and Justin Bourne. Do you think it's going to be as good as our live event? Or, or not as good? No way it can be as good. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to put down the athletic event. I think it's going to be ten times better. It's at a bigger venue, but... Okay, that's all I'll say. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about training camp. It's like... It feels like it goes on forever, and yet it's almost finally over. Do you like uh, Pierre Lebrun's... I think he tweeted out the idea of 70-game season, and then... Sp- I said that. Was that you? Yeah. I think I saw him. You're, you endorsed it. He said he wanted a shorter preseason, start the season earlier, and it will end. the season will end at the uh, end of May. And then I said should be four preseason games, 70-game regular season, and then you do the playoffs. That would cut like a whole month out of the season. Okay. I've thought that for a long time. Like hockey is – you look at football and how popular it is and how good the games are and mm-hmm. athletes are at peak condition and they only play once a week. Hockey should be closer to that than – baseball or basketball like hockey is a super physical sport well in the nba i believe just changed their preseason to shorten it and like condense it but the immediate reaction you'd get is like money like the Leafs play eight so how do you make up for what the owners would say is you cut 12 games off the regular season schedule you cut some preseason games that's a lot of money especially for the big teams like toronto i think what you would see is that the demand for tickets would go up if there were fewer games like there would be there would be it's like supply and demand right and if you take away a whole bunch of the supply like look at the nfl there are fewer games are they hurting for money no the league makes like four or five times what the nhl does every year and i think that 
TV ratings would be higher, like per game. There would be like it would be more destination viewing. I watch every single Leafs game every year, even sadly most of the preseason games. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. Even if you're a diehard fan, you need it's more than three games a week. Is what the NHL season is right now. It's too much. Well, I'm a massive baseball fan, as you know, and like there's 162, and there's just like chunks of the season where I'm just not watching much, and then there's chunks where I'm watching all the time. But like right now, the Jays are a good example. Like I had a buddy text me yesterday offering his tickets for the game, and I'm like, nah, no thanks. And he said he's asked, he had asked like a bunch of people, and everybody kept saying no. And like you kind of get into a situation with bad teams, long years, where it's just like, I don't know. It'd be nice okay. if. So it was shorter. I was actually talking to someone on the Leaf staff just like casually today at camp, and they were saying like the way the NHL schedule works, you know who's going to make the playoffs in like December or January a lot of the times. Yeah. That's what happened last year with the Leafs is that we knew they were in. We knew they were probably going to finish third in the Atlantic, maybe second. Um, that's going to happen again this year because the, the bottom of the Atlantic is horse crap. You can say horse shit, by the way. No, I like horse crap. Okay. Horse crap. I mean, maybe Florida or Buffalo is a bit better, but, like, the bottom of it is so bad that the chances of the Leafs missing the playoffs are, like... Infinitesimal. Yeah. Yeah, I guess gesturing on a podcast doesn't work very doesn't well. Work. Until we do the video podcast. I'm so tired do that. I'm, I'm, I'm very tired. I have a three-month-old that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't like sleeping. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Uh, now you wonder, like, what it's going to be like for Jake Gardner who just had a kid. And, like, I was thinking when I was writing a story about Zaitsev early in camp, and, like, you wonder kind of. Now? Yeah, but, like, one of them was born during training camp last year. It's like the start of the season, no wonder it didn't go well for him. Maybe maybe that if, added so on to if it. If I was one of those guys, Zaitsev's making $4.5 million a year, I would get, like, a full-time caregiver to, like... I'm not, like, getting woken up, like, four times a night or whatever by, like, a baby. Like, I would guess he does. It's too important to your career that... But you know what? You can't have... Even if you hire a caregiver, they're not going to... Like, they're not... They don't work 24 hours a day, right? So, like, you're... And you... I mean, you're still going to be parenting your kids, so... Yeah. It's going to be tricky for for me this year with the two kids, and I'm going to be on the road less than last year, but I'm still going to be on the road, and my poor wife is going to be just like... Well, what happens like if they go on a deep playoff run? Yes. <laughs> Something bad. Yeah. You might, you might be going solo in some of the... All the way to the conference final? Well, you know what I was... Yeah. Maybe like you miss game five or sometimes or... That's the brutal one, right? Like when you have a seven-game series and you got to hop there for the one game and then come back and then, like that Boston series was one series and we were both dead by the end of it. And that's like an hour flight. Like imagine if they actually play Tampa. Even Tampa's further. Well, it's hard to get direct flights to Tampa, right? So we'd probably be like connecting through like Washington or some goofy thing. No, Air Canada's got like a pretty good. But if everybody's going down there, all the fans and all the media and everybody. That's true. Anyway. All right. I don't know if anyone gives a horse crap about this, so we need to talk about something that people care about. Okay, let's start with, I, I think... Adam Cracknell. No, we'll get to Adam Cracknell later. Oh, I thought that was first. It's a teaser. Uh, let's start with the goalie, uh, just because it's it's funny. Like, every positional battle is, like, very marginal, but, like, all, all this stuff matters. All it adds up. Um, Garrett Sparks... Do you think he's missed his chance? Do you think he's blown his opportunity? Or do you think Kyle Dubas 
and maybe that way of thinking about an asset and not risking an asset will kind of win out? I think it will win out. I mm. think that interesting. they will sneak McElhaney through waivers on the last day when there's like a billion guys on waivers. Um, you know, Chris Johnston pointed out if you get him to clear waivers, then then he doesn't need to clear it again for quite a long time. So they were not going to have to waive him during the season, likely. Um, I think... I think that Garrett Sparks is going to get a longer chance than just these couple of preseason games. But you look at the way the preseason set up here with the last three games, and Garrett Sparks isn't going to play. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, at, at the practice today, uh, Steve Briere was working really closely with Garrett Sparks, and this one's a tough one to read. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. How it doesn't make sense to give up on Sparks yet. Mm-hmm. But I can see the other argument, too. I can see... Like, if you're convinced that Sparks isn't an NHL asset, which I don't think is a crazy thing to think. No. I mean, his numbers in the NHL are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, of the, I'm of the belief that they should give Sparks a chance in the regular season. Let him be the backup for two months. And if it doesn't work out, you know, Pickard or McElhinney or some other backup option is who you got to turn to. I think that's probably the most sensible way to go about it. Just like it, it doesn't seem wise to make your judgment on him on half a game, half a game, full game in the preseason while playing in front of like no. scrambly lineups and it's September. But I, but you also know how Mike Babcock is, right? So that's like the other side of this. You know, he he likes having that reliability with Curtis McElhinney. He's low maintenance. He he kind of knows his job. And yet, like, it doesn't totally make sense to put the younger guy on waivers and maybe lose him. And yet, I'm not even sure they lose him. That's the other side of this. The thing that concerns me with this whole situation and McElhaney is you look at... Like, if you look further back than just the small sample size of the year and a half he's played in Toronto, he wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. His numbers were... He was a weak backup Mm -hmm. for a long time in the NHL. So are we to believe... The, the samples, how many games has he played for the Leafs? 20? It's like just over 20, I think. It's not enough to say that that's what this guy is. And I've got, like, so I was saying that the Leafs have to still believe in, that after, during, at the end of that game that he had that was terrible, that the preseason game, um, I was saying on Twitter that you got to still go with Sparks and McElhinney will clear waivers and it'll be fine. I was getting a lot of blowback from Leafs fans. They're like, this guy's, this guy's the best backup in the league. and like He won the backup of the, the year award, according to Ben Pavcock, which yeah. is amazing. <laughs> like, there was a lot of fan backlash because people... Goalies are so weird with fans. I don't get it. There's this group of the yeah. fans that just, like, will defend a goalie no matter what. And McElhinney is now the guy that, that they're defending and... I, but the, so what I'm saying is that let's say you wave Sparks. Let's say some other team has an injury and they claim him to like give him a shot. Mm-hmm. Sparks goes on to – let's say he has a 9.15 save percentage and plays 30 games and wins a bunch of them and looks like a fine goalie. Um, let's say the Leafs keep McElhinney and he has a bad year. Then that decision makes no sense at all. And you based it off of this tiny sample size that McElhinney had in Toronto where le- legitimately he's been good. Mm-hmm. But that's just not enough for me to base my entire opinion on McElhinney off of. Well, and you also do have Calvin Pickard. So, like, that's an option, too. Who I like. Yeah, who, who maybe can play. The, the thing about McElhinney that would concern me if I was them is they're going to be a good team. They're going to get to a point in the year where maybe they want to play Frederick Anderson less. Sparks or Pickard 
I believe could probably play a bit more. I don't think McElhaney could step in and give you more games. Like he's playing, I think he played, I don't even know. I can check how many games he played, but it was in the teens. Like he didn't play a lot of games last year. So McElhaney has started total 25 games for the Leafs since coming over. Uh, 10 the first year after he was claimed on waivers and 15 last year. Um, I think people, so he had a 934 save percentage last year, which is crazy, crazy good. Um, His overall in Toronto, his save percentage is 925, which is crazy, crazy good. You look at everywhere else he's played, and it's not anywhere close to that. I mean, he's had, his, his career, even with these two good years in Toronto, is 909. Well, so that's exactly the thing. Like, can he keep this up if he's asked to play 25 games? Or 30 games. And I think the answer we would both give is no. He's a backup. Like, he's a career backup. He's a 35-year-old career backup. The year before he came to Toronto, his save percentage was 890. Right. And when Columbus waived him, it was like 907, I think it was. No, it was was good. Was it? Yeah, it was 924. He was really upset because he had such good numbers. But they just... Columbus just didn't believe in Curtis McElhaney. Like, you watch him and he's, he's like all over the place. He's one of the... He might be the ugliest goalie in the league stylistically. Like, just really, really nasty. But, like, sometimes nasty works, though. Like, it's not like Hasek or Tim Thomas were super composed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some fans believe that Curtis McElhaney's, like, found... He's, like, done something different or whatever. But it, if you talk to him... He's playing, like, once a month. Right. So, like, for once a month, he just has to be pretty good. And that's not easy, but it's also not playing three times a week or playing four times a month or you know what i mean like it's 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 one start he has to be good so the the fan counter argument is the leafs are trying to win the cup this year um they need a guy they need a guy that can just come in and like play once a month and play well and that's it that's all they need okay but my counter to that would be look at what's happened with starting goalies in the playoffs the last few years of cup teams every team has gotten hurt and needed their backup to play games in the playoffs who would you feel more comfortable with if Frederick Anderson got hurt or was struggling in the playoffs playing? Would you be comfortable with McElhaney, Sparks, or Pickard? I would lean toward the younger guys. I would yeah, I would lean towards one of those guys. I kind of like Pickard. I, I do mean, too. I, like, I, I, I think, was for a second there thinking maybe it would be Pickard. Well, I think Just because he's played games in the league and played well at points. Ideal scenario for the Leafs, I think, is that McElhaney and Pickard both clear waivers on October 2nd, the last day that they can go through. Um, They both split games with the Marlies, and, you know, maybe Pickard has a huge year with the Marlies. Maybe he plays a lot of games and does really, really well, and Mm -hmm. then, you know, if Spark struggles, you've got an option between those two guys. I think what's really interesting that we're not going to get to so much see is what would be going on between Babcock and Dubas, because this is kind of like the first battle if, it, if it's even a battle like we don't know exactly what's going on but like the first point that we can kind of look at and see how do they handle this situation because like we know how they would handle it in the past or we think we know with Lula Morello like they would wave sparks right so now do does Babcock's preference win out does he find like this other alternative that that you mentioned that Chris Johnson wrote about or I don't know or do they kind of go the same route that they went before? It could it could be too that Kyle Dubas doesn't think Sparks is right the greatest goalie. But it's just like we think that he is of the mind that you don't waste assets. Right. And like so that it's good we can kind of segue into the next part of this, which is on defense. And we've been texting back and forth about like what's going to happen. Connor Carrick looks like he is like on the way out. 
And yet, it wouldn't really make a ton of sense to put him on waivers and just lose a 24-year-old right-shooting defenseman who's played in the league and played okay at points I think, for nothing. I think you could trade him for something. Yeah. I think you could get a pick for Connor Carrick if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're so thin on right D that, like, you might as well keep Carrick as the extra right D. What's the alternative? You, well, want, you want Hall and Ojeganov to be up? Well, so you're going to have to get rid of somebody. And obviously Ojeganov, you can just zip through. He doesn't need waivers. It seems like he's making the team. It seems like he's making the team, though. So all of a sudden, like, you're going to have to... Are you going to keep three right shots? Are you going to keep Ojeganov, Carrick, and Hall? Are you going to put Hall on waivers and risk losing him for nothing? Are you comfortable with that? Like, that's, that's kind of this no puzzle. No one's going to claim Justin Hall. I don't think they would either. But, like, I don't know. You're going to have to. Like, it's not like these guys are stars. Like, they're just depth pieces on your roster. I mean, if you're legit worried about that, then you can just send down Rosen and not carry an extra lefty, and you could carry right. two extra right T. Right. I just don't know. Yeah, that's that's probably what you end up doing. Um, I think Rosen should make the team, and if they want to keep Oshaganov, that's fine, and I don't think Hall's going to get claimed on waivers. So, and Carrick's your extra guy, and if Ojeganov doesn't work out, you didn't give up Carrick just because he had a right. bad couple games in preseason. Carrick looks like he looks like it's in his head. Well, like if you know him, I've talked to him plenty. He's really, really hard on himself, and he's in his head quite a bit because he like he's a thinker. Like he really thinks the game through. It's funny, guys. He looks like he's kind of lost his confidence, just like last year. Some people make fun of hockey players for being dumb or not that thoughtful or whatever and I, I think it works for some of them well some of them like Gardner's a good example Gardner doesn't like he just plays like I don't think he's thinking too deeply about everything like Carrick would be but Gardner's also really good like Gardner's like hasn't had to really consider his plot in life with the NHL there's been like some Carrick. talk at camp about Rasmus Sandin and I almost called. He's him, looked really good. I almost called him Sundin. So Babcock said, like the guys like that, they just they're not intimidated and they don't think about it, and mm-hmm. and that's what he looks like. And I remember when Gardner came in in the rookie camp in that first year, and they got him over from Anaheim, and it was like like he just was not intimidated at all because he just doesn't really overthink it. He just plays, and so like that's what, I think that's what Babcock was saying. Like guys like that, because they're so good, they just go out there and play, and they're not really thinking that much like someone like Carrick might have to and like Carrick wants it so bad like I've talked to him about like he went through the U.S. National Development Program and he was with guys like there was a lot some, of them defensemen some of the guys team. in Carolina I know that like there were guys where he was like right with them and he felt like he was right competitive with them and then they got drafted a little bit higher than him because they're like a little bit taller or whatever mm-hmm. and he just I think it's frustrating for him to see the people he was right beside with at the National Development Program and how hard he has worked. I mean, Scott Wheeler had the story about like the amount of how, how Connor Carrick is in the best shape of anyone in Leafs camp and all of those things. And then to still not be able to quite grasp it. I mean, the NHL is such a tough league. You are, you're boiling down every hockey player in the world to the best 700 players on earth. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get in that mix. What could happen though for him is like Babcock clearly is impressed by Ojeganov. I think he probably likes that ingredient, having like a bigger guy, physical guy, kind of give you some of that Roman Polak that he had before. But there's every chance that 20 games in, they figure out he's not ready yet, and Carrick gets another chance. 
Like, the one thing that kind of works against guys like him and even Sparks to some degree is, like, Babcock has an impression of them. It is really hard. I was trying to think of somebody. I can't think of anybody who has changed their impression, his impression of them. And that's, like, I that's Garrett Sparks. That's, like, that's Connor Carrick. That's what those guys have to really fight is, like, once he kind of has, like, a base of what he thinks they are, it's, like, hard to change it. I was going to say some guys have changed the impression negatively. <laughs> well, and that's what he'll say. Like, he'll say, go go look at all those guys who bitched and complained when I didn't play them, like Corrado and maybe Peter Holland to some degree. Most of those guys haven't, like, gone on to become anything in the NHL. I don't know. I agree. <laughs> I, don't have anything, I don't have a response to that. But I think... So if you were projecting, like, an opening night... Their third pair will be Dermot and Ozhiganov, I would think. Yes. I, I think I'm almost certain. Unless unless they make it Ozen and Ozhiganov. Yeah. I think they, I think Dermot could sit. I think there's a small chance I think they could send Dermot down because he's had the injury and hasn't played a lot of preseason games and, and he doesn't require waivers to go down. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to get a look at Rosen in like the first five games or whatever. Maybe they want to say to Dermot, you haven't made it yet. That's what I could see being the case. Like, they could kind of send him a little message, play Rosen to start. Rosen's look good, and Rosen looked good, obviously, during the playoffs well, for the Marlies. They, maybe they want... I mean, Jake Gardner's not signed after this year. I mean, maybe they want to see what they got on the left side. Maybe maybe they want to see... If, yeah. I'm not saying that they're moving Jake Gardner right now, but... Have we overlooked Borgman? I don't think he's going to make the team. I don't... My impression was when he went down, he had a hard time with the Marlies. He had a hard time like adjusting to mm-hmm. whether he was disappointed or whatever it was. I think that they want him to be in the top four with the Marlies and play a lot. And well, you can kind of see like what their top four is going to look like: Marinchin, Lilligren, Borgman, Hall. And Although it like, looks like Sandine might be down there. Yeah. So then Sandine on your third pair with like Laverde or Subban. Right. Marley's like. They have a good D. They have a good D. I don't know that they'll be able to score a ton. Like, from, oh, you mean up front? Yeah. Well, they're going to need some of those guys to really step up. They're going to need the like Trevor Moore's and like Bracco's going to have to be really, really good. Well, so let's get into like some of those guys. Um, you wrote about Engvall this week for the Athletic. If you haven't read that, check that out at the Athletic. Um, I'm a I'm a big Pierre Engvall fan. Yeah. I'm on I'm on the fan club. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, and I wrote about Grunstrom last week. We've written about more in the past. Um, those guys could all be in a, a situation where if, they, if injuries happen for the Leafs, that there could come a time where any one of those guys could play. Am I not mentioning someone else? Yes. So I was at camp today and you were not. Did yeah. you see what Babcock said today? Babcock basically said he was really impressed with Trevor Moore and even more so, I think, Timoshov. And with Hyman out, there's an opportunity on one of the top lines for a left winger. And it was a battle between those guys uh, for the game tonight in Montreal. And he decided on on Trevor Moore getting that opportunity. But he said Timoshov was right there and he loves the way that he mm. looks. So that gives you an indication of if there's an injury to a winger at some point during the season and they need to call someone up from the Marlies and plug them in potentially in the scoring role, those are going to be the guys he's going to be looking at. I really liked Trevor Moore during the playoffs last year. Like, he just got better and better and better and better. He's, like, quick. He's got some skill. Like, he's persistent. Like, I could see him being a guy. Like, if... I don't know. All this is contingent on Nylander, who we haven't mentioned somehow, however many minutes into this we are, uh, that he's still not signed. But, like, 
they're going to be injuries. Like they're going to be. Well, that's what's weird. Like the last two years, there haven't been. Right. Like there hasn't been. Like Matthews missing twenty games was like the most significant thing, and that was some like people, over two stretches. Some people listening to this are probably yelling Josh Levo at at their device that they're listening on, but I don't know that Levo's going to get an opportunity. Okay. Well, that's it's good you brought him up because there's going to be a really interesting situation I think playing out. Let's say Neander signs before the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's in the opening night lineup. That bounces Josh Levo from the lineup. Mm-hmm. What does Kyle Dubas do? I think within a couple of weeks he'll be traded for like a conditional seventh round pick or a bit, or be put mm-hmm. on waivers. He could even be put on waivers at the end of the season or at the end of the training camp. It would not shock me if Josh Levo was on waivers next next week. Right, because like you don't want to put him in the exact same situation that he was before, right? We've talked about this on the podcast. I mean, no, but now it's now it's like real. It's now now sh- now shit is real. Now it's going to happen. Um, the weird thing is they need some extra forwards. Like if so, let's well, say but so that's exactly it. Like they they're not so deep that they can just afford to punt him. But like if you start him as the extra, and then a week goes by, and then two weeks go by, like then what are you doing? Like are you going to keep the same thing up or not? Are there any of these guys? that we have listed in the Marlies right now that you think could just be the extra forward? Like, well, like maybe, Adam Cracknell can just be your extra forward. Right. But so I talked That to, makes all the sense in the world just because he's yes. 33. Like, yeah. yeah. I talked to Adam Cracknell for quite a long time today. He's a super nice guy. Um, he, um, he said he was worried, really worried about his career last year when he got waived and he got traded and he was playing on the fourth line in Hartford in the AHL and he had like two points in 18 games or something. Uh, and then he got moved to the Montreal organization and went to Laval and was their number one center and scored a ton of goals. And apparently Kyle Dubas saw him play there. Uh, the Marlies played Laval. Did they play them eight times last year or something? They played them like a ton, whatever it was. Um, the Leafs got a good look at him, and he had almost 30 goals in whatever it was, 60 games. So mm-hmm. that's why he got an opportunity with the Marlies. And I think potentially he could get an opportunity with the Leafs. Uh, nothing exciting, but he's a guy that's played – 206 NHL games or whatever and is experienced and you know if he's your 13th forward he's a guy you don't mind sitting every night right well and it's just like if you do want someone to play you just call them up like he can just be the guy who's there in case someone trips on a rake right before the game or something you know what I mean (laughs) side Joe Bob style yeah so uh, for people that don't know um, teams usually carry the most typical configuration is teams carry two extra forwards and one extra D everywhere they go um, with the salary cap coming in, sometimes teams have carried less. Sometimes it's one extra D and one extra forward. Um, and you'll be on, on the road trip and the team will have practice or whatever in St. Louis or Boston or whatever. And those extra guys will stay out there because they're not playing that night. They will stay out there an extra hour and like work with you know, some of the assistant coaches or whatever on whatever, like mm-hmm. bag skating. Um, so Adam Cracknell could be the guy who's... Mr. Bagsgate on all the road trips. Well, that's been like the shitty thing for Levo. Is like that was his. That's his life last three years. Yeah. Well, he played some with the Marlies three years ago, right? Like he was with the Marlies most of the year. I think he played like forty some games or something with the Marlies. I think that was more than three years ago. It's been a while. Oh yeah, it was fifteen sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, <laughs> getting back to the roster. Um, you've pointed this out. We've discussed this here before, but it still feels like a little weird that there's not more insurance for Parland Holm. Like, I, I know Babcock has raved about him. Adam Cracknell. I guess. 
I guess, and like maybe they're not, maybe they don't care. Like maybe the guy's gonna play seven minutes, and they just, I don't know. What do you think of Parlendol? His skating's not. He doesn't. He doesn't look quick enough to no. me. No. Yeah, I don't like his skating. I don't like the way he looks. He doesn't. He looks like a guy you've taken out of the European league, and it's kind of. Mm-hmm. And he has said, "Did you? Did you? Have you written? No. I, I read a, some someone's story with him over the last. I don't think it was you over the last week or something. And his quotes were kind of like." Like, he seems a bit overwhelmed by how different it is. Mm-hmm. Like, he's never played in a small rink. The pace is way faster than he's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, like, he just, he doesn't know anything about the NHL at all. Like, he he is. Well, so... it, like, I wrote about him in the summer. It was only very recently, like, that he started thinking that the NHL was even going to be a thing for him. Like, he, last year at this time, or last summer, NHL teams started to call and he wasn't ready. He had just become the number one center for his Swedish team and had a good year. And then he had another good year because he was the number one center for a really good Swedish team. And then he's like, you know what? Maybe now is the time. Like, now I feel ready. I played for Sweden at the Olympics. But, like, Why this are the is... Leafs convinced that he's ready? I don't understand. It's really strange because we've seen a lot of these guys come over, like, w- w- Conti- that was the guy. Contiola was the guy, like, I wrote about in the, that story. Uh, that they then it was a different organ or a different regime in charge, but like they made it out that he was ready to play in the NHL, and then you watch him, you're like, this guy can't skate in the NHL. So like, if if he can't be that guy, I don't know. Maybe it's the goat. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Well, that, that's the one guy we haven't talked about. Goat could be the extra forward too, right? Like that could be his lot in life. Is the, he's the extra guy? Yeah, but like, if you need a winger, goat can't play your wing. You know what I mean? I guess you could just call someone up, like I mentioned before, like if you need someone. But, like, I don't know. They need centers with the Marlies. It makes more sense to have a guy like Cracknell or Juris who can just, like, travel around and, like... Juris is another guy I watch, and it's like... Yeah. He's not. That's that's not an initial player. It's weird that they didn't kind of insulate themselves a little bit more. And even, like... Maybe they're thinking there's still guys out there. Like, Nick Shore's still not signed, and there's still a bunch of guys on PTOs around the league. And I wonder, like, they could just decide to sign someone on Monday or whatever. Pick someone up off waivers, too, if they Yeah, want that's it. true. Uh, yeah, actually, that's a good point. That they, I, What do they add in terms of their 50-man roster limit? I, they must have a couple of spots left. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, I never thought about that. But that's something that Kyle Dubas, because he knows the AHL so well and like those kind of fringe guys so well, mm-hmm. they could absolutely claim someone on waivers. He's been... I think he's been active in having an influence on them claiming guys off waivers in the past. Who was the... Tim Erickson, I think, was someone that eh. that they he vouched for. I think, um, but there have been other. Um, who was? Did they get Arcabello off waivers? Or, no. They, who was the small they, guy they got that? I think from Boston, and then he ended up in Buffalo. Oh, I know who you're talking about. A little small center he played. Oh man. Yeah, I can't. Played in Florida too. Yeah. Oh, whatever. I someone will know his name listening to this. You can't have silence. You don't have to think about it. People will figure it out. It's okay. Yeah. But it, like, so they they've tried some of these guys. It's like on the tip of my brain, somewhere buried under the Contiolas. And if you keep talking, I'll find it very quickly. Keep talking. I want to say like Brent. <laughs> but but I never thought about that. But that's a great point that they could easily just scour the waiver wire and like just grab a guy that's like a forward slash. Um, a guy that can play wing or center that can be their extra guy and you find it yet? Oh yeah, Seth Griffith. Yeah, there we go. 
Seth. Isn't that the Family Guy character or no? That's Seth Griffin. Yeah. I don't watch the show, but but the one thing that is weird, and and we'll wrap up in a sec because you got to go home and sleep. Is that like if there's a, a an injury over here, and you can keep going. <laughs> if there's an injury to one of their top three centers, like I'm, I I think they're in exactly the same boat as last year, which isn't ideal. No, because Babcock complained like hell about that last year. About I mean, I think what happens is Nealander's your third line center. I think that's what you got to do. But then that really weakens your top your your Matthews line. Yeah, I guess there's not a ton you can do. Like even if you lose a top three center, they're not replacing that guy no matter who they sign. So right. like, I don't know. I guess you don't worry about it. Anything else you want to talk about before we wrap? Uh, I guess we kind of laid out what we think is going to happen with the roster, mostly. Um, they sent down SDA and Andrew Nielsen and uh, Sandine today, which is not surprising. So they're at 43 players in camp, which means they need to cut 20 players, at least, um, in the next, under a week, in the next six days. Probably what's going to happen... I mean, maybe they wait right till the end, and then they just dump like. Well, you and how I were... guys require waivers that are like eight of them or something like that. Well, we I can had go the list through, in, yeah. I had the list in front of me the other day. Well, you you and I were texting about it, and I think it just makes sense to wait. Like the longer you wait, isn't there less chance someone's going to pick up one of your guys? I don't know. Maybe not. What we what you often see is that Monday's the day. The roster deadline is Tuesday afternoon, but Monday often there's like a massive dump of guys on waivers. Like there's like the waiver page that I get sent is like hmm. like it could have 100 guys on it or 60 guys or whatever so maybe what Kyle Dubas is thinking is like let's just put everybody on then all these teams are all going to be at their roster crunch and they're going to like not they're not going to be thinking oh I got to create extra room to like claim this guy and everyone will go through yeah not that I think they're going to lose uh, McElhaney or uh, Justin Hall or who else could potentially go on waivers that we, they would should worry about I mean there's not really those would be the guys, right? Hall and McElhinney. Would Goat have to clear? I think he might, yes. But what? I don't think anyone's claiming him. No. Well, he's 6'5 every night. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed Mike Babcock didn't mention that about Sparks. He's like 6'3? Yeah. I guess that's not 6'5. Most goalies are 6'3 now. That's why I gotta get my kid playing goal. My son's gonna be like. I don't know what, six eight or something ridiculous. You can play for the raps. So um, we have um, we have the Patreon where people are Patreon Patreon. We have the Patreon where people are uh, are contributing to making the podcast great again. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, thank you to Steve Banks who became a, a patron this week. If you'd like to donate, go to Patreon and search for the Leaf Report. And the podcast, as always, is brought to you by Bab Socks and the Saki Hall of Fame, which is going to be a really good Christmas gift, if not like a birthday gift. I think I might get it for my brother for his birthday. Like I said, I said last week, I've got the Mario Lemieux socks, and those are going to be, those will be the socks that I get buried in. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that Interesting. And we should mention that, I don't know if anybody knows. Oh, I forgot. The other thing we need to talk about is Gritty. Oh, there, there's enough stupid talk about that. <laughs> what do you want to say about that? I've been tweeting about it for like three straight days. Do you think it was on purpose? Like they just created yeah, something it, just to kind of create a buzz? It kind of seems like it. kind of seems like they made something, a monstrosity that, I don't know. It's weird that the Flyers have, haven't had a mascot. The Leafs mascot is so lame. Yes. 
I guess it's for little kids. You can't really... Do you like any mascots? Like, you're a baseball guy. You must like some mascots. Well, the Philly one is, is pretty funny. The old Expos one, I'm trying to remember what Yuppie. it was. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. The Raptor is actually really good. Like yeah, the, Raptor the Raptor is, is like, perennially thought of as really, one of the best. You got. I think you want a mascot. Even the Ace Blue Jay one is fine, too. Like, I think you want, like... A, eh. You want a character that, like, can can move around and do like the thing i like about the raptor is he's like they actually got an athlete in there who can like do stuff and And he's funny like he's fun to watch yeah like the i don't know carlton's for kids he's not really funny or interesting like they made the suit in a way that he's like this big fat bear couch potato dork that like he's like a big dork but you can't you can't change that like can you imagine the the scandal The Leafs kill Carlton. Carlton comes out and he's like all sleek. He's like lost like 50 pounds. He's wearing a suit. So the, the mascot for the Camus Blazers when I, we had season tickets and I was a kid was named Digger. And it was a dog. It was a bright orange dog. And Digger was pretty cool. Like he could do a lot of stuff. He had a drum that he would always beat and the whole arena would get into it. And he was always really silly. And like you got like, you, I don't know, a mascot can be a good thing. But what uh, should the, the mascot for the Leafs be? Like a bear doesn't seem like that a... I guess it, that's just like a traditional thing. Like Carlton's just been their mascot for a long time. Going way back to when mascots were all lame. We're going to get angry Leafs fans yelling <laughs> at me on Twitter about how amazing Carlton is. They just defend Carlton. They do do some funny – or they don't do them as as much anymore. But they did sit some like funny skits with him back in the past. Sort of funny. Not, not great. I don't know. Um, I was going to mention that if anybody – we are looking just for more – sponsors for the podcast so if you know anyone who wants to sponsor the podcast go yeah. for it so the, the podcast has done really well um we have a lot of listeners but we don't have a lot of revenue from it so it would be it would be great uh, we'd love to be able to do it twice a week and buy some better equipment and right now we're just passing jonas's iphone back and forth so that gives you a, a sense of how sophisticated we are i'm not supposed to let people in on the magic how it happens <laughs> Um, so we'll be back next week before the season starts. I guess we'll we'll do this right after they cut the roster down and just before the season starts on October 3rd uh, against Montreal. And then it's just going to be like rolling. It's just going to be so much happening in such a short period of time. Are you excited? Yeah, let's get the season going. So they play Montreal to start on the Wednesday and then they and play then in Ottawa. Ottawa on the Saturday. Yeah. So the Leafs should start the season 2-0, barring some, something going wrong. And then they have that huge road trip that Jonas is going to be on. Chicago, Dallas, Detroit, and Washington. Well, it's good they go in a straight line. <laughs> what are they, it's like a... The, the, you look at the Leafs' road trips this year, and they're weird. They're like all over the place. I was booking some hotels last night, and I was like, okay, here we go. All right, we'll be back. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm.